story of, and we've been talking about God being the author and us being the characters in the story of our lives. And whether it be our church or whether it be our life, we are meant to bring glory to God. Your story is not about you. It's about what God wants to do inside of you. He wants to write the story. And we had some powerful messages and services, and, and I'm just rejoicing in what God has spoken to us in this time together. And our key verse comes from 1 Corinthians 12a from the Message Bible. It says, each of us is given something to do that shows who God is. Each of us is given something to do to show who God is. We want God to be the author. We want to be the characters. We've talked a lot about those things. And today, I want to conclude with the thought of the theme of the story of our life. Every good story has a theme, and so I want to talk to you about the theme of the story of your life, because the story of your life is being determined by the theme of your heart. The story of your life is being determined by the theme of your heart. Look at Psalm 45, verse 1 with me. My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address my verses to my king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. The theme of my heart determines the theme of my life. And probably the most popular verse on this type of idea comes from Proverbs 4.23. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart, because that determines the course of your life. That determines the theme of your life. And I believe we all want to have a heart after God. If there was one thing we want... It's a heart after God, and, and, and we think of David when we think of someone who had a heart after God. In the Old Testament, in 1 Samuel 13, 14, and in Acts chapter 13, and verse 22, it says this, But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. I love that. I mean, I think about the things I want to hear God say. I don't know about you, but I long for that day when I see God face to face. And those words, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't know, I get a little emotional when I think about it. I mean, that's, that's the heart cry. And if, and if I could have God say one thing about my life, if He would say, Daryl was a man after my own heart, it's all good. It's all good. Whether I was successful or a failure in this life by other people's standards, if I could hear God say, Daryl had a heart after me. And you could plug in your name there, and if you could hear that, I mean, there is no higher compliment that a Christian could receive from God than he or she had a heart after me. So if that's our goal, and I believe it's all of our goal here, if that's our goal, what does it mean to have a heart after God? I want you to think about it. I mean, if that's our goal, we really need to know what it is. Does it doesn't mean doing everything right and and being good, and, and, and keeping all God's commands, and then I'll have a heart after God? Does that sound like David? Hardly. You know, that doesn't really sound like our, our friend David. He didn't have that kind of life. In fact, he was a very sorry individual in a lot of ways. He was very sinful. David messed up about every relationship he ever had. He wasn't a good husband. He wasn't a good father. He wasn't a good friend a lot of times. And a lot of times he even disobeyed God and, and didn't do things God's way. And, and, and he messed up over and over and over again. And yet, he had a heart after God. 
Now, the, the contrast of that can be true as well, that you can be really, really good. Be a good husband, be a good father, be a good friend, be a good person, and not have a heart after God, right? So what does it mean to have a heart after God? I mean, if that's the highest compliment we can get, if that's what we really want, what does it mean to have a heart after God? What we're talking about today really matters because I need to know what is God looking for? What is His criteria? Not what is my criteria or anybody else's criteria. What's God's criteria? Because I want to have a heart after God. So I need to know what He says about this. And I believe the verse in Acts gives us the the key to understanding what it means to have a heart after God. And I want to look at it together again. Look at it and, and listen to it carefully here. In Acts 13.22, But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Did David do everything God wanted him to do? No. Simply no. So what is it? What is it about David that made him, a heart, made him have a heart after God? And I believe it all has to do with contrast. This is extremely important in this passage of Scripture. There's a contrast made between Saul, the first king of Israel, and David, the second king of Israel. The contrast holds the key to the understanding of what it means to have a heart after God. And I want to contrast the life of Saul and the life of David. And I want you to contrast your life against their life so that we can see, do I have a heart after God? Because it, it really begins with the phrase, a heart after God. Either you're going to do things your way and according to your will, or you're going to do things according to God's way and God's will. That's the contrast here. The person that does things according to their will, like a Saul, does whatever they want to do. And then they justify what they do. They try to justify their position and justify their actions and justify who they are. And, and, and I don't know if it's because they're arrogant. I don't know if it's because they're insecure. But Saul, just he wouldn't take responsibility. It was everybody else's fault. And, and, he, and he said, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do. And he did his own will. Blamed everybody else and did what he wanted to do. But the contrast is David who had a completely different attitude. He said, I want to do God's will. Did he always do God's will? No, he didn't. But he had this attitude, and listen to me, this is important. He, he said, God's God, and I'm not. And I have to do whatever I can to be in relationship with that God. And I need to do everything He wants me to do. And if I mess up, I've got to repent, and I've got to get back. I can't make excuses. I've got to be right with God. No matter what it takes, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it in a hurry, because I have to have a right relationship with God. I can't just do whatever I want all the time. I have to have that relationship with God. That desire burned in his heart. And that's the contrast between the wills of those that do not have a heart after God and those that do. And when you look at that contrast, Saul and David stand in contrast and with significantly different men. And, and we have to look at that. David had to have a relationship with God. There was an internal motivation to have a relationship with God. He's like, I have to be right with God no matter the cost. Whatever I have to do, I have to be in relationship with God. Saul had to do whatever he wanted to do, and he wanted an association with God, but he didn't have that relationship with God. He just wanted to do what he wanted to do. 
And so the difference here, the contrast is the difference between somebody who has an association with God and someone who has a relationship with God. And we would all say, well, I want a relationship with God. I want that type of relationship. But, but do you understand what it means to have that kind of relationship with God? That means you have to be fully surrendered to God. And if He calls you on the carpet, you better come clean in a hurry. And not make excuses and not just do what you want to do. Because a lot of Christians, what they want to do is they want to be on this side with an association with God. Well, I, I, I love God and I want His blessings in my life, but I also want to do what I want to do. I want to do my own thing. And we justify what we do. And, and so we want to live in that association with God, but one who has a heart after God lives in relationship with God. And I want to talk about that because a lot of times when we think about Saul, we think he was really set up to fail. That God chose Saul to fail. And nothing could be further from the truth. We think, well, because Israel wanted a king and God didn't want to give him a king, that, well, God just sent him up for failure. Absolutely not. Saul chose not to follow God. God chose Saul to lead His people. And his generations after Saul could have ruled over Israel as David did, but he chose to walk away from God. I mean, when you think about the call of Saul, I mean, God did amazing things to, to call him to be king. In fact, even after he was king, he, he helped Saul deliver Israel from enemies that had been bothering them for generations and generations. And, and he gave Saul the power to help wipe them out. But even in the midst of that, Saul kept doing his own thing over and over and over again. He even changed Saul's heart at one time in, in 1 Samuel 10 9 when. The call of Saul is happening. It says, as Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart. And all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. God did not set Saul up to fail. He did everything he could to help Saul. Saul just rejected God. Saul chose not to follow God's way, to do things his own way. It tells us in the Bible that, that Saul was good-looking, that he was tall, that he was strong, that he looked like the part of a king. But it also tells us that he was terribly insecure. And, and that insecurity drove him to do things that he should not have done. And he was always worried about his appearance and he was always full of arrogance. And he did. He blamed everybody. He blamed David for his problems. He blamed his family for his problems. He blamed, he blamed Samuel for his problems. And ultimately, he ended up blaming God for all of his problems. And it, nothing was Saul's fault. It was everybody else's fault. And, and again, when you go and do your own thing over and over and over again, what happened in Saul's life is it ended, ended up becoming rebellion. And he just kept doing his own thing and doing his own thing until he completely rebelled against God. And God says, that's it. And God did not pull the rug out from underneath Saul right away. And that first mistake, okay, forget it, Saul. You messed up, so I'm gonna, I'm, you're out of here. No, he didn't do that. Look how many times David. David messed up again and again and again. Saul just kept messing up and he never repented. He never repented. He blamed everybody else. He kept doing what he wanted to do. And that is not how to have a heart after God. We've got to look and, 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 and just... There were so many opportunities where Saul could have come back into relationship with God and he chose not to again and again and again. So let's contrast this life of Saul to the the life of David. And, and David was one that wanted to have a relationship with God. He was concerned about what God thought and what God wanted to, uh, wanted to do in his life. He did not have the appearance of a king. He was a, he was a shorter man with what we think is red hair and, and probably a stocky guy. And, 
And, but yet, he had a heart after God, and, and, and he wasn't just interested in doing just all the little things, like, like Saul would try to do just everything right to please God. They wasn't, he wasn't concerned with the technicalities. He just wanted to be right with God. He just wanted to have that heart, and he said, God, you're the first, you're the best. God, you are to be honored at all times and in all ways, and so I'm going to honor you. I'm going to love you. I mean, and, and God, you know what you're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. God, you know what you're doing, so we're going to do it your way, God. We're not going to do it my way. An example of that comes when um, David has the opportunity to kill Saul, but he doesn't. He, David is running for his life from Saul. I mean, he had every reason to want to kill Saul because Saul's trying to kill David. He's hiding out in the caves. He's threatened David. He's threatened his family. He's, he, he, you know, David's already been anointed king of Israel. All David has to do is take the sword out and kill Saul, but he won't do it. He won't do it. It says in 2 Samuel 20, or 1 Samuel 26, verse 9, David said, Do not kill him, for who can remain innocent after attacking the Lord's anointed one? Surely the Lord will strike Saul down someday, or he will die of old age or in battle. The Lord forbid that I should kill the one he has anointed. God knows what he's doing. David, I mean, God knows what he's doing. So David. said that God's going to determine how Saul dies. It's not up to me. I don't understand, but it's not up to me. You know, when you think about it, he had every right to do it, and if we were justifying it, he would have every right. Dave said, no. God might strike him down. He might die of old age. I don't know. But that's God's business and not mine. See, he was able to, to, to say, God, you're number one. You're the most important thing. God, you're going to do it your way. I don't always understand, but, but God, it's, it's your business, not mine. And David got that. Now, when we talk about this, let me also say, David was far from perfect. We just told a good story from his life. But if we wanted to, we could pull out some very bad stories. Because he's not perfect. He made, he made huge mistakes. David destroyed every relationship in his life, pretty much. I mean, there was really nothing left. I mean, he was a, an adulterer. He was a murderer. I mean, he didn't even handle the Ark of the Covenant correctly when they brought it back to Jerusalem. I mean, David did things, he just did things that were wrong. But David always knew who was in charge. He knew who was in control of his life. And he would always go back to God again and again. Life without God's presence was unthinkable to David. God without, David without God's leadership in his life, he couldn't live without the presence of God. And so he had to run back again and again. And the difference between this side that is full of pride, and I'm going to justify everything, David's side is completely humble. Completely humble. And he cries out to God and it says, God, I, I need to be right with you. I, I, I want to seek your forgiveness. I want to seek you, God, because I need you more than anything else. I want to do something today that we don't normally do. And it's not going to be on the screen and I don't want you to open your Bibles. I'm going to read a psalm to you from the heart of David. This gets to you to understand the heart of David, if you, if you can, close your eyes without falling asleep. I'm going to ask you to do that now. But I'm just going to ask you to reflect on these words. As I speak these words, allow them to come into your ears, to your mind, to your heart today. This is a man after God's own heart. This, what, this is what it means in Psalm 51. And you can look at Bill later and, and, and do your own devotions on it, but this is after the biggest sin of his life, confronted with that, And here's what he's right. Now listen to this and allow this to sink into your spirit as a man who has a heart after God. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. 
Because of Your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against You and You alone have I sinned. I've done what is evil in Your sight. You will be proved right in what You say, and Your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from Your presence and do not take Your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of Your salvation and make me willing to obey You. Then I will teach Your ways to rebels and they will return to You. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of Your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O God, that my mouth may praise You. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken broken and repentant heart, O God. That's the heart of David. That's the heart of someone that says, God, I can't live without You. No matter what I do, no matter what I go through, I, I don't want to make any more excuses, God. I need You. I need You to come in and make me clean. I need You to restore the joy of Your salvation. I need You, God, to come. And I love what it says. That God will not despise that broken heart that comes before Him. And that's what David had. You want to know what it means to have a heart after God? Go back to Psalm 51. Stop justifying yourself. Stop living by your own will. If, if, if the theme of our life is determined by our heart, live on this side. Live on David's side, saying, God, it's your way, and I can't live without you. I, I, I am sorry, I, I, just, I, I can't live without you, and I'm not going to blame anyone else, and I'm not going to try to justify my actions. God, I want you. And we're called to do that, to honor God with our life, honor God with our relationship. And, and what I want you to do, if you haven't taken notes to this point, I'd like you to just write these few things down before we go today. And these are just things that we learn and that God is teaching us. And, and, and I'm going to give you a few more things so that you can keep studying this because I do want to give us a little time for worship. So Leanne, if you want to come back up, we're going to spend some time in worship today. But I want to get some things that we can learn in our hearts from the life of David and having a, a heart after God. What's the contrast here? The first thing is, and they'll be on the screen, all three of them, fear God more than you fear man. Fear God more than you fear man. Don't worry. Saul was always worried how he looked. He was always making excuses. He always cared what other people thought about him. And David, all he cared was what God thought about him. Fear God more than you fear man, and you will have a heart after God. The next one is, is walk humbly rather than walk in humility rather than pride. Walk in humility rather than pride. The Bible talks a lot about a humble heart. Jesus tells a parable 
about a sinner and a Pharisee that are praying. And they pray their prayers, one out of arrogance, one out of humility. And Jesus asked the question, which one did God hear? And Jesus said it was the one with the humble heart. The one with the humble heart God heard. Don't come to God with pride in your heart about how good you are. Come with a humble heart. The last one is confess your sin rather than cover your sin. Listen, guys, God knows your sin. Stop playing games with Him. You can fool me, you can fool everybody else, but you can't fool God. So don't make excuses anymore. Don't let that thing stay in your life because it's just going to lead to rebellion and it's going to lead you to just an association rather than a relationship with God. And, and, and walk away from that sin. Repent and turn and redirect your life. Say, God, I want you. I want your way. Let me give you some thoughts from the life of David now. And, and these are things that, that you can do. These are things that you're going to take from this and, and go the next step with. That you're going to do further study on and, and to become that, that man or woman after God's own heart. And they'll be on the screen here. Three things from David's life. First of all, David cultivated a tender heart. How do you have a heart after God? He cultivated a tender heart. Now, we didn't talk much about this today, but you can study this, and we kind of read a little bit of it in the psalm, is that David was a worshiper. David was a worshiper. How do you cultivate a heart for God? Worship Him. Worship Him. In just a moment, and again, I wanted to have some time before 11 to worship. Listen to me. I, I, I want us to worship the Lord. Because when we worship Him, we cultivate that heart after God. And so as you say, this is more than just a message. If you want to live this message out, and you want to be a person after God's own heart, be a worshiper. Cultivate that heart of God. David respected authority. David respected authority, and that's important. And, and we see it in, in, in the, the story of, of him and Saul, and not killing Saul. But it wasn't just about respecting Saul and his position. It was about David respecting God. That's the bottom line. Do you respect God's authority in your life? Or do you do what you want to do? See, that's, that's the, the real bottom line. Is, is, again, we can respect the people that are in authority, that God places in authority. That's important. That's good. But do we ultimately respect God? Do we respect Him? And so, again, check that in your life if you want to have a heart after God. And then, and then the final thing, and we didn't talk much about this, but David was jealous for God. He was jealous for God. He wanted God more than anything else. He was jealous for God. And, and I, I don't really need to preach on this long because you know the story of David and Goliath. You already know that story. David is a little boy, and he's bringing his older brother's food to the camp where the Israelites are, where the soldiers are, and he brings the food. And this uncircumcised Philistine, Goliath, is, is screaming obscenities and, and taunts toward God and His people. And David said, that's not right. That's not right. There's something that rose up on the inside of David and says, no, God is God. God will deliver us from you. There's something that, that rose up on the inside of David. That's not right. And he was jealous for God. Is that the kind of person you are when you see the devil taunting, you see somebody, I mean, did you just say, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. God is God. You want to have a heart after God, cultivate that inside of you. Cultivate that jealousy for God and for His ways. These are all good things for us to do. And, and we need to remember that the theme of the story of your life is determined by your heart 
He is the author and we are the characters in the story. You're never going to change that. But the theme of my heart will determine my life's story. And that's why I believe God's calling us for something much deeper than just the surface level Christianity. God wants to get down deep in our lives. That's why we're doing Wednesday nights. That's why we're, we're going deeper in, 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 in retreats and different things for the men, the women, the children. We want to get down deep. We want to see God move in our life. I used an illustration on, on Wednesday night. It's like having a, a clunker car, and so you throw a new paint job on it. And boy, doesn't it look great. It's still a clunker. It still doesn't run. And when the paint fades and peels, and you still got a piece of junk. See, God wants to change us from the inside out. That's why a heart after Him is so important. That determines the theme of our life. And so we have to ask ourselves, like David, no matter what happens, good or bad, whether I'm in my mess because of what I've done or what somebody's trying to do against me, do I still have that heart after God? That God, I'll love you, I'll serve you no matter what. I've got to be in relationship with you. I've got to be right with you. That's the question we have to answer today. And I believe that we all want to be men and women after God's own heart. We want that compliment over our lives. But it only happens when we live as David lived. And so I hope this message is spoken to you. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning. I'm going to step into worship, but I want to pray for you before we do that. God, I thank You for Your Word today. God, we want to guard our heart because it determines the course of our life. And we want to have hearts after You. God, forgive us for trying to do everything right and, and just trying to live out the story in the right way. God, it's really all about relationship. It's about saying, God, I want You more than anything else. So, Lord, we pray that we would cultivate that heart after You. God, that we would be close to You. God, that we would never run from You. God, that we wouldn't live in pride or insecurity or rebellion. But God, that we would just keep running back to You again and again and again. Lord, we love you today, we honor you, and now we cultivate our relationship with you through worship. Would you stand with me this morning and let's spend some moments before we go and worship. All I need is you. Stormer of life and hope and all 
my dreams victor over sin and death forever you
Lord, listen to our hearts this morning. Cross this place. God, I believe deep down that we all desire to have a heart after you. Lord, maybe before today we didn't really fully understand what that was, but but God, now that we've looked at your word, we want to want to be like David, running to you, humble, broken, can't live without you, God, can't live without you leading our lives, and God, when we, when we trip and fall flat on our face, we're going to get up and run right back to you, Lord, I pray that um, you would con- just cultivate that tender heart inside of us, God. That we'd be close to you, Lord. We want to be close to you, God. We want to be near to you, God. God, that you would change us from the inside out. God, I thank you that you don't yank the rug out from under us when we make a mistake. But God, you are patient and you are loving. And so we run to your mercy and your grace and your love. God, we just want you. God, we've talked about a lot for the last six weeks. Lord, we've laid pens on this altar. We've surrendered our lives. We've learned that we are to reflect your glory as your priests. But Lord, we realize today that our heart determines our story for your glory. And so may our hearts be a heart after you. May we love you. May we cultivate that. May that be a passion, even an obsession of ours, to have a heart after you, God. And um, God, we look forward to what you uh, have in store as you write the story of our lives. May our lives and may this church bring glory to your name. May we reflect your glory to this world and um, give us a heart after you, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 I trust that you desire to have a heart after God today. And um, if you want to spend a little more time in prayer, um, you're more than welcome to do that uh, here in the sanctuary. Um, if you need to go, you can go, but, but fellowship with one another. And if as many people as possible can go to the gym, uh, Pastor Fred is there now. And we're going to be packing meals for street children in the Philippines, and so we're going to be doing that. Oh, but don't go. I didn't, you didn't get the blessing yet. You want to go without the blessing of the Lord? Come on now. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. The blessing of God upon his people for generations has been this. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. God, I thank you for that blessing that rests upon us as we leave this place with a heart after you. Keep us safe and strong until we can gather together again as the church and worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Fellowship with one another. Spend some time with the Lord. Sign up for the ladies' retreat. Help pack meals. And if you need special prayer, I'll be down front. God bless you.